Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed the Unbothered series. This is week four, where we're talking about how we can go through life, no matter what hits us, and be unbothered. I mean, that's what Jesus ultimately was, and then that's what many of the examples we have in Scripture are all about. And really, if we're supposed to be Christians or Christ-like, we need to do our best to be that way as well. And we have the Unbothered shirts. Did you see? They're, they're really cool. They're really comfortable. And, and here's the thing about the Unbothered shirts. When you wear them, you better be unbothered, okay? Because it says unbothered. You have scripture on there about how you're supposed to live in peace and those kind of things. Well, this happened to me yesterday. Okay, I had my unbothered shirt on. And Rebecca and I, we rode our bikes uh, to Canyon View Park and, and uh, to see our great niece play in a softball tournament. And so we were watching the game, and they were like, you know what, let's go to Boston's and, and get something uh, for lunch on the way back. So we rode our bikes down 24 Road, which is kind of like a minefield right now, but uh, uh, we rode down, and then we had to go across the street over to Boston's on our bikes. And so we got up to the stoplight, and I hit the little button and turned around, and then the little green man came up and started flashing, and I was like, okay, babe, let's go. So we started across 24 Road on our bikes, and I don't know, maybe the little green man ran out and turned orange. I'm not sure. But there was a person that was turning onto 24 Road from Patterson, and he wasn't happy with us. And he started letting us have it. I mean, just yelling at us, calling us all kinds of names about how stupid we were and all those kind of things. And now I know, that, and I don't know if this is really weird, but that happens to me a lot. So I don't know <laughs> what the deal is. And so what, what, this is what I do when that happens. I just go, hi. Hi, because I feel like that's the best reaction to have. That's an unbothered reaction, right? But yesterday, like he just kept on us and he just kept yelling at us and he, it's my wife. And so I, instead of just saying hi, I started going, hi, hi, hi. Unbothered, unbothered, unbothered. <laughs> So we can, we can teach this stuff and we can read about it and then we can go out in the world and absolutely fail. It just happens. Now, if there was anyone in the Bible that had to learn to live an unbothered life, it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the prophet that lived in the Old Testament. And during his time, his country was in utter turmoil. We get bothered a lot by the things that are happening in the United States. Maybe we get mad, we get angry, we get upset, we get frustrated. But in comparison to what Jeremiah was going through, our life is pretty good. You see, during his day, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was about to get plundered and defeated by Babylon. And you know the famous stories about Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And God sent Jeremiah to try to reason with the people of Israel about what was happening and what they were doing. It was happening for a reason. And, and once again, if Israel was going to get into trouble in the Old Testament, how did they get into trouble? By worshiping false gods. They did it over and over again. They had been doing it for 3,000 years. They, they would get better, they would worship God, and then they would just fall off the wagon, and then they would start uh, worshiping all these pagan gods. And God finally had had enough. And he's like, okay, I'm going to send one more messenger to try to straighten Israel out. And if they don't straighten out, then I'm going to allow this foreign country to invade. Now, I want you to think about what that would be like. How awful that would be. Let's just say that, that Utah was an evil country, okay? Now, I'm not saying they are. I'm using them as an example because they're on the border and they're right there. 
but let's say they are. And they want to invade, and, and we know that we're going to be defeated. We know that they're way more powerful than us, and they're like Babylon, where they come in. And not only did Babylon defeat countries, but they would plunder them. They would steal all of your possessions. And then also, they would steal the people. So if you were sharp or strong or smart or whatever, they would take you out of your country and bring you to theirs. And that is what Jeremiah is seeing, is seeing in, this, in, in, in the life of the country at this point. And he writes this book called Lamentations. And Lamentations are poems or reflections, usually for the dead. So they were usually said around funerals. And so he writes this book because he, know, he knows what's coming. And he understands that if they don't change, that things are going to get way, way worse. Now, it's amazing that God had lost so much hope in Israel that he was willing to bless a pagan country because he felt like he had better chances to work through them than he had working through his own people. Now, imagine how Jeremiah must have felt. Imagine being invaded. Imagine losing everything precious to you, including your family, including everything that you had worked for your entire life. This is what is unfolding in Jeremiah's life. And he writes in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 9, 19, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, hopefully, none of us have ever been this hopeless before. But there are times we feel like it. I mean, you may feel hopeless right now about your finances. I mean, maybe you're in a situation, your, your business and profits are way down, the economy's affecting everything. Maybe, maybe you're in a market right now where, where it was, used to be really strong, but it, but it isn't anymore, and, and you feel hopeless. Some of us go through seasons in our life where we're hopeless in our marriage. Our relationship that we have now is not what we wanted it to be. In fact, we think to ourselves at times, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I wanted. This is, this is not where I want to be. And, and we look at the relationship and go, is there hope? Is there hope here? Or maybe when it comes to our kids, because our kids will freak out at times. Our kids will do things that, that we didn't teach them to do. They will react in ways that we never wanted them to. Sometimes you'll have one child and they turn out great and your other one freaks out and goes crazy. I mean, you just know there's no rhyme or reason to it. And, and sometimes it just feels hope, hope, hopeless when it comes to being a parent. Hopeless with your job. Maybe right now your job is just not what you'd hoped it would be. Or maybe hopeless with your health. There's nothing that we take for granted more than our health until we lose it. So maybe that's you right now. You feel hopeless with your health. And, and those things hurt so badly because it just doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. So when you get to this point, what do you do? Actually, the better question is, is when you get to this point, what should you do? Because most of us don't respond in the best way when things hit us. We don't. We, we may get mad. We may lay blame on someone or something. We may run to some kind of escapism form of sin to just do that, to escape. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. I mean, you, you just want to numb yourself. You just want to get rid of the pain. You just want to forget what's going on for a little while. Maybe it's food. I mean, we all can eat our feelings, right? Hey, I make a run to roosters every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I cried when the all-you-can-eat prices went up to $25 a plate. I, I, I get you. I, I feel you. And sometimes you people just want to go to sleep. I'm so depressed. I'm so heavy. I just want to forget the only time I get any rest or peace is when I'm sleeping. Or maybe it's gossip. Maybe you feel like if I can talk bad about others, then it will make me feel better about myself. Or maybe we take it out on the ones that we love. You ever done that? 
you're frustrated, you're hurting, the people around you that love you the most are the ones that you hurt the most. Well, what did Jeremiah do? The first thing he does is he simply just cries out. He cries out to God. And when we read scripture, we find that it is filled with times where the children of Israel are in a hopeless situation and they cry out to God and he rescues them. He comes through for them. I mean, Judges is just cycle after cycle after cycle, which we've studied that in the past. And this isn't just a figure of speech. I think sometimes we say, read scripture and it says they cried out and we're like, okay, they're just trying to be dramatic. But truthfully, it's, it's an emotion that we're supposed to show God when we are desperate for him. You think about it as a kid or as a parent of a child, if your child is over in the corner and they're just kind of whimpering or whatever, you, you may not respond. Or maybe they're moping around and you're just like, oh, come on, just get over it. But when they cry out, help, I need you, mom, dad, what do you do? You jump, you run, you run to them to make sure they're okay. You run to them to rescue them. Lamentations is Greek for to cry aloud, to cry out to him. And he wrote a whole book, Jeremiah did, where he just cries out to God. Going back to that principal scripture that I've already read, I just want to reread this. It says in verse 19, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. So he cries out, cries out to the point where he writes a whole book about it. So he cries out, but then the second thing he does is he remembers. He remembers. You see, Jeremiah, like us, have a track record with God. He knew that he was still standing right beside him. Even though the world was crumbling and things around him was going completely crazy, Jeremiah knew God was with him. And he says in verse 22, the unfailing love of the Lord never ends. So he's out, he's, he is, he's distraught, he is mourning, he is, he is upset. And his words are the unfailing of love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies, we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. So what should we remember in hopeless times? Because they're coming. We're gonna have issues on this earth. We're gonna have times where we feel hopeless. But what do we do to respond the way Jeremiah did? Well, first of all, we gotta remember a few things. And the first thing we have to remember is that God is with us. God is with me. The author of Psalms 94 says this. He says, who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would, I would soon have died. So this is a man who is oppressed. Evildoers are coming against him to the point of him being killed. And he says this, I cried out, I'm slipping. That's what the author says here. He's saying in my situation, when things were going awry and I didn't think I was making it, going to make it, I just cried out. I cried out to my heavenly father, just like a child does to his earthly father. I'm slipping. Help. And your unfailing love, oh Lord, supported me, he says. So he cried out, I'm slipping. God comes in and supports him. Verse 19, 19 says, when doubts filled my mind, you comfort, uh, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Man, God is with us. Have you ever thought about how many times you've been in a bad situation and you still knew he was with you? Maybe he gave you a piece that passes all understanding. Maybe it was just a situation where you had hope in a hopeless time. A few years ago, uh, I was mountain biking with my brother-in-law and we were doing a downhill course in snow mass. And uh, I was coming around a corner and I was really, honestly, I wasn't doing anything too stupid like sometimes I do. Uh, I was going, you know, at a reasonable speed and I was going around this corner and my front tire washed on me. And when it did, it threw me, my body, into this really soft protruding rock. 
and I hit it so hard that I broke my scapula, okay? I, I fractured my scapula, which is really hard to do, okay? You don't, don't just go out and try to do that. That's super hard to do. And when it happened, I was in excruciating pain. I mean, it, it, was, it was awful. And I, I knew something bad had happened because anytime you get nauseous after you get hurt, you know something bad's happened. So I knew God was with me uh, at that moment because uh, he had to be, because I still had to ride seven more miles down this course to get to the bottom of the hill. Now, of course, we could have waited for, um, they don't call them ski patrol, they call them bike patrol to maybe get a ride down, but we were in a really precarious area. I don't even know if they could have got up there to me and if they did, how much it would have hurt riding down with him. So I rode seven miles down with this broken scapula and I'm telling you, it, I don't know that I've ever had that much pain. And I've, I've hurt myself quite a bit. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm crying from the pain. And the whole time I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you got to help me, you got to help me. Because every bump, you know, every little rock, everything I felt, you feel everything. You just feel everything. And I remember getting to the bottom of that hill and I was like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you that I'm okay. Thank you that something worse didn't happen. And even though that hurt and that was a, a situation where, where there was a trial, I knew God was with me. I was talking to JL. This is just a side note. But I, let me tell you, I, I got some really good pain meds. And, um, and I called her. And we were talking. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, I love you. <laughs> and she's like, um, I love you too. Get better. I don't know why I said that. I just felt like I'd share. But God is with us, right? He's with us. It doesn't matter how bad the situation. And we, we know that. We know that because he just gives us his presence in those times. So he's with us. We always got to remember that. Secondly, he, he cares about us. God really cares about us. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You can't get any bigger than that. You can't get any bigger than a father saying, I love you so much, here's my son. Here's my son. That's huge. And with God's unconditional love, you can't do anything different to make God love you more or make God love you less because it's unconditional. How many of us go through life trying to earn God's love? How many of us go through life or situations feeling like we've lost God's love because of some choice we made, because of something we've done? That God loves us just the way we are. So he cares about us. He also knows our situation. Romans 8.26 says, And now the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for now or nor how we should pray. Have you ever felt like that? so hopeless that you didn't even know what to pray. Pastor Hooper a couple weeks ago actually spoke on this scripture and did just a beautiful job of explaining it. And I really recommend if you missed week two of this series that you listen to it. But the scripture continues and it says, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all our hearts. Sometimes we just read that and we don't stop and think about that. Our Father who knows all our hearts, he knows us, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. It's like this beautiful song that happens between the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father where he sings for us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Then David writes in Psalms 31, I'm overcome with joy because of your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles. So whatever you're going through right now, God sees it. He sees your troubles. He knows what you're going through. And you, and the scripture says, and you care about the anguish of my soul. It saddens God when we're hurting. He, he understands it. And, and you've not handed me over to my enemy, but have set me in a safe place. How many times in the middle of your hurt have you felt like God puts you in a safe place? So he's with us, 
cares about us. He knows our situation. And he has the power to help. He has power that I don't have. Luke 18, 27 says, he replied, what is impossible for a human perspective is possible with God. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have the power to demolish strongholds. God has given us the power to demolish strongholds. The strongholds are the lies the devil likes to hide behind. He loves to sell us those lies, but we have the power to demolish them. So God will give us power, but we need to tap into that. You know, we have some responsibility too with that. We get saved, we receive Christ as our personal savior, and that's awesome. That gets you to heaven. But we need to tap into that power on a daily basis. And we talk about that all the time, how important it is that we, we are spending time daily in prayer and in worship and we're, we're meditating on the word and we have that coffee time with God as Pastor Hooper likes to call it. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it a devotional life. But I'm telling you right now, when you plug in to the God of the universe, you will have so much more power to get through the day than when you don't. We can feel it, right? My wife knows when I haven't had my devotional life for the day. <laughs> she gets it, but we feel it too. So we have some responsibility there. We need to plug in to that power. And then finally this morning, he's promised to help us. He's promised to help us. So right now you may be in a situation and you're like, okay, so where's the help? Okay, I've been waiting What's going on? Okay, I, 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 I've prayed about it. I cried out about it. I've waited. Where's God? And in times like that, in those wait seasons, we've got to make sure that we're exposing our mind to the truth. And so what I did is I pulled up scriptures, and we've done this in the past. When you get in a hopeless situation, you need to be looking and reading these scriptures out loud. Would you guys put those up? Now I want you to get your smartphones out and I want you to take a picture of these. And when something hits you, instead of complaining about it, instead of worrying about it, instead of getting mad about it, instead of it letting you bother you, I want you to take that picture out and I want you to read these words. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have, no, who have no one else to defend them. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were just alone and you, and you didn't have anybody? Well, God is saying, no, 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 no. You always got me. I'll defend you. But you see the trouble and grief they cause. You, you take no note of it, talking about evil people and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Listen, exclamation mark. So he really says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. He hears you. He's there for you. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. Praise be to the Lord to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Man, when we go through these tough situations, we gotta understand they're an attack from the enemy. He wants us to get defeated. He wants us to give up. He wants us to quit. But when we fight the enemy with the sword of the spirit by quoting scripture back to him, there's nothing that cuts him deeper. Fight. Cry out to him. Use scripture to defend yourself. The third thing that we see that Jeremiah does in this situation is he just relinquishes control. 
You know, Jeremiah's like anybody else. We get into a tough situation, and what do we want to do? We want to, want to control it. I can fix this. I've got this. But the truth is, we're completely out of control. God is the one that's in control. He's the one that can defend us. He's the one that can deliver us. He's the one that can fix everything. Back in 1982, there was a Christian singer who basically kind of paved the way for Christian singers in the United States. I mean, if it weren't for her, things like night vision over the last weekend, they probably wouldn't have happened. And she was my favorite. Like, I loved her. And of course, Amy Grant. She had this album, she called it Age to Age. She wrote this song or sang this song called El Shaddai. And it's probably one of the first times I'd ever felt the Holy Spirit move through music. And it's these Hebrew words that really, really explain what God is to us. Now, El Shaddai means God Almighty. God Almighty. And Almighty means having complete power, omnipotent, able to do anything. Now, the reason that the Hebrews would call God El Shaddai, God Almighty, is because they lived in a, in a, in a time when people worshiped all kinds of gods. They would carve idols out of wood. They would, they would make idols out of, of gold or silver, and they would worship these inanimate objects. So when the Hebrews would explain their God, they would go, no, 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 this is God Almighty. This isn't like what you guys worship. This isn't like these things that you call out to that have no power. This is the God that has the power, complete power. And then the song also says, El Elyon and Adonai, which means God in the highest. God in the highest, O Lord. And then Arkama na Adonai means we will love you, O Lord. So God Almighty, you have the power to fix everything. We will worship you. We will cry out to you. So as we end this series, what is it that still has you bothered? What is it that still keeps you up at night? What is it that makes you worry or fret? What are you worrying about that God Almighty can't fix? So what I wanna do is I wanna, wanna have you stand up. And as you stand up, if there's anything that's on your heart, that's burdening you, that you are concerned about, would you come forward? Would you just come forward and let us, let us worship together and let us cry out to God Almighty, the only one that can fix it? Don't let anything keep you from coming forward and getting free from whatever this is. Some of you right now, you are so worried about a family member because they are running amok. They're, they're running after this world. Their mind is so deceived and it breaks our heart. Some of us, man, we, our marriage is a mess and we just need help. Some of us, it's our finances. Some of us, it's our health. For some of us, we're super, super concerned about our country and we just wanna cry out to God for our country that we love, that feels like it's slipping away. If that's you, just come forward, please, right now. Don't let anything keep you from getting to be a part of this. And as we're here, now maybe you, you don't feel comfortable with stepping out. I guarantee you, you could be standing in the aisle right now in your aisle and, and you have issues, you have stuff, right? We all have stuff. But at this point, what I want us to do is I want us to cry out to God. How should I? 
want us to cry out to him and, and tell him what it is that we're facing, what it is that we're going through, and that we need his help. So as we sing this song, and as we go through this worship time, let's lower the lights, please. I want us to just focus in on him. The words are on the screen. You may want to worship right now, or you may just want to pray. You just, you just may want to just cry out to him. But let's do that together, shall we? have a health problem, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's a back issue, maybe it's some autoimmune disease. If that's the case, come down and let us pray for you right now. If you're facing something right now, it's physical. If you just raise your hand, raise your hand. Prayer counselors, if you'll get to those people, put your hand on them right now. If there's not a prayer counselor around, if you're next to somebody that raised their hand, would you just lay your hand on their shoulder? And Lord, we cry out to you as the great physician. We cry out to you and we say, God, you're the healer. I've been to every doctor, I've had every test. They're only helping me as much as they can help me. I need God Almighty to show up my behalf, heal me. In Jesus' name, make healing happen in us right now. For anybody in this room that needs healing in any way, I pray in Jesus' name, show up as that great physician in their life. Do a miracle in Jesus' name. Bind up any evil spirits of infirmity. Bind up any evil spirits that would cause us to be sick. Bind up any evil spirits that would come against us and, and attack our faith. In Jesus' name, we cast those all away. And I pray, Jesus, that you would allow your healing power to come over us. Heal us, God. For some of you, you have an autoimmune disease. God wants to heal you. Cry out to him. There's some people in this room and it's more than one. You have big time back and neck issues and you're in pain a lot of the time. Cry out to him. He can heal you. You don't have to live this way. Maybe if it's his will, you're gonna be healed. But are you serious about getting better? And I'm talking about, are you serious about laying it before the Lord? Cry out to him. Some of us are parents in this room and we have a child that's running right now from, from you, Lord. We, we, they're running. If that's you, will you, will you come forward on behalf of your child? 
and cry out to God Almighty for them? If you're a parent in this room and you have a family member that needs God's touch, raise your hand. So God, you know our kids. Lord, you know where they're at even better than we do. You know the mistakes they're making. You know the road they're going down. We cry out to God Almighty, El Shaddai for our kids. Your word promises that you'll bring them back. If we raise them the right way, you'll bring them back. So we cry out to you, El Shaddai, for our kids. Don't let the devil steal them. Time is short, Lord. We pray that you would bind their mind to your truth, that you would strip away any veil of deception. And there's so much deception out there, God. And that they would see the truth. Bring them back to us, God. Bring them back to you under full obedience, not partial. That they would come back to you in full repentance. And we could have a prodigal son or daughter celebration. We have to relinquish control. We give you our kids because we try to fix them over and over again. And it doesn't work. By your spirit, I pray that you draw them back. For marriages in this room, I pray that you would heal marriages in this room. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring about reconciliation. I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would birth marriages in this room that we've all dreamt of. In Jesus' name. what I'd ask you to do. Please get out of your seats. Please fill the aisles as a step of faith, as a form of crying out to God for our country, for our schools, for our kids. Would you do that with me, please? Fill the aisles. If you guys will scoot up, you know, in the front here. Because here's the thing, guys, if we don't stand up for our kids, if we don't stand up for their education, if we don't stand up for our government, who's gonna? And how is there ever gonna be any change? The only change that can happen is by God's influence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to start off, let's just pray for our kids, shall we? Pray for our kids, pray for our kids throughout this country. God, we lift them up to you. Lord, we're making a stand, making a stand for you. We're making a stand on behalf of our kids, on behalf of our children. We pray, Lord God, that you would unveil any deception that is upon them. I pray, Lord God, that you would infiltrate their life with your truth. I pray, Lord God, that they would stop listening to the lies of the devil. They would stop listening to educators who they may admire that are teaching them wrong things and they would stand up for the truth. I pray, Lord God, that they would pick up the word of God and they would start believing it again. 
I pray, Lord God, that they would pick up the truth and they would start exposing the lies that are happening around them. I pray for every educator. I pray for every administration, administrative person in every school. I pray, Lord God, that there would be a move of you like never before in our school systems that you would come against all of the lies, all of the craziness, all of the deception, all of the evil that the devil is trying to make look normal. Expose that in Jesus' name. Expose it. Holy Spirit, do warfare on our behalf. We don't even know what to do. We don't even know where to begin, but your word says that you will show us what to pray. And when we don't know what to pray, you'll pray on our behalf but we have to do our part. So we stand in the gap for our kids. Give us Christian teachers, give us Christian administrators, give us people that we can trust with our children. And I pray, Lord, if, we, if there is somebody that is trying to deceive our children, that is trying to lead them in the wrong path, either number one, silence their mouths to where we, our kids can't hear their lies or take the teacher and remove them. Remove them. Come against the deception that's coming against our families. Lord, now we cry out to you on behalf of our, our, our government, on behalf of our local government, on behalf of our state government, on behalf of our federal government. The only thing that is gonna change the situation in that leadership is your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would get people saved that are in office right now, that maybe have spoken against you in the past, maybe don't believe in you at all. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work in them, that you would have a Saul, you did it with Saul. In Jesus' name, loose a Saul to Paul encounter in those teachers, in those governors, in those uh, people that are with state, county, local government, all the way to the White House. I pray in Jesus' name, you would give the Christians in government a voice. You would give them influence. And I pray that you would turn the hearts of those that don't believe in you. Help them to see the deception that they're a part of. Expose that. We cry out to you on behalf of our country. We cry out to you on behalf of, of this beautiful place that you've given us to live. Lord, don't let the devil take that away. We give it to you, God. We release it to you. We're gonna intercede. We're not gonna stop. We're gonna pray. We're gonna use the word of God. We're gonna make a stand. Jesus' name.
next song. If, if you have to slip out, I understand if you have to go to work or if you have to grab your kids. But this next song, let this minister to your heart about what the Lord wants to do in you. Let him minister to you a little bit. No matter what you're going through, let him minister to you right now as we sing this. Spirit, I pray that you would lose peace in this room. Peace. Holy Spirit, lose hope in this room. Right now, a new perspective on whatever we're facing. A new hope. Supernatural hope. Supernatural peace. Holy Spirit, lose power in this room. Give us our voice back. Help us to have new strength like never before. Lord, I pray that you would clear our minds and you would help us to think more purely, more righteously. You'd come against any type of mental illness that would come against us. Any negative thoughts. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would, you would loosen us a sound mind. Loosen us health. Loosen us vitality. Loosen us a new strength to want to get up in the morning and face the day. Put a new passion in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Lord, and we just pray pray for revival. We pray for revival in this in, in our church. We pray for revival in this city. We pray for revival in our county, in our state, in our country. We pray revival in this world like nothing we've ever seen before that would, that would make revivals of the past pale in comparison. Oh Lord, that's what we want. That's our heart's desire. pray now that you would just help any person that we know that doesn't know you to come to know you. Save them, God. Would you say that with me, church family? Just ask God to save them. Save them. Save them. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.